Good evening, church family. Next week, we plan to begin the final section of our current event series by discussing sexual ethics. How should followers of Jesus navigate issues of sexuality and gender? I hope you'll make plans to be part of that discussion starting next Wednesday evening. But tonight, we're wrapping up our discussion about race and unity in the church. Personally, I feel like McDermott Road is a congregation that is working incredibly hard to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, to continue to be a place where people from every background can find love and acceptance. And I know that we all want this spirit of unity to continue to thrive here in this congregation. We've had a lot of great guests as part of this series, but I wanted to end with someone from here at McDermott Road. Our final guest is Aaron Appleby, a member and leader here at McDermott Road, as well as a close friend. I hope you find this conversation as encouraging as I did. Well, Aaron, thank you so very much for being part of this conversation. I'm excited to, to have another McDermott voice as a part of this, this series and this conversation. So thanks for doing this with me, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. Okay, so my first question is just from your perspective and your experiences, what experiences have you had in the church? It doesn't have to be here at McDermott Road, but you know, wherever you've been in the church, uh, what are some of the things that have shaped your perspective on race relations in the church? Sure. Um, in the church specifically, you know, my experiences have been largely positive, especially as it relates to uh, race and unity. Um, for those that don't know, I was raised in a, a white family and uh, attended a predominantly white congregation. And um, I was never treated, uh, especially within the church, you know, any differently as, as it relates to the color of my skin. Um, I would say that growing up in that environment <clears throat> certainly, you know, gave me a different perspective on race relations in the church, um, thinking much of my life that, you know, that was just not a word, you know, that was not a thing to me um, because I was always just treated as an equal and, you know, uh, I never saw myself as any different than any of my brothers and sisters that I attended church with. So uh, that experience was largely positive, but in an odd way, I think kind of created a deficit for me as far as just a blind spot for me, you know, in, uh, in the experiences that other people of color might experience. So, um, but for me personally, it's been very positive. Um, yeah. Would you want to follow up on that, on what you just said about the the blind spot, you know, that that your experience might be different than than others? I mean, have you heard, since it's just you and I visiting today, I mean, have you heard other perspectives that that you've realized are different than your own within the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, as, as I attend a congregation that is more diverse and hearing hearing stories from my brothers and sisters of, of their experiences in the church, you know, it was kind of a shocker for me because I just, I just thought, oh, you know, that, that can't happen. That would never happen. Or, or if you hear those things happen, you know, it's always been like a degree removed from me. Right. So I've never, you know, 
oh, that, you know, that happens over there in that state or in that country, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't happen in the church. And it certainly doesn't happen here in America. Um, but, you know, especially in recent year, two years, you know, hearing, hearing some, especially as McDermott has grown more diverse and I've gotten to know a more diverse uh, group of friends, uh, brothers and sisters within the church, you know, those experiences differ widely from uh, my largely positive experience. Yeah, it's been an eye opener for me, certainly. Well, I think that that's something that a lot of us have a hard time with. And even in, in last week's conversation with Brother Ote, um, you know, we talked about differences in personal experiences. And it's it's good to have those kinds of conversations for all of us, regardless of our background or ethnicity, uh, because different people can have wildly different experiences, even within the church, uh, that we are largely Absolutely. unaware of unless we have those conversations. Yes, so, and, and I think, I mean, I, oh, sorry. Nope, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it, once you've been in that and you have loved ones close to you that have experienced different, well, different experiences than you, you know, you enter into conversations, you greet people as far as, you know, meeting new people for the first time differently because you go into it with the assumption that our experiences are not all the same, right? And I think, whereas prior to that, before like, I just entered every conversation, every new relationship, every new friendship with the assumption that, you know, our experiences were very similar, right? You know, cause I think, I think for me, it was, it was very much along the lines of, oh, you've attended a church of Christ your entire life. Therefore our experiences are the same, or you've, you know, you you fit this this mold in this other area of your life, and we've got that in common. Therefore, this area has got to be the same too. And that's we enter that conversation with that assumption. And so, as it pertains to race, especially for me, I try to do a better job now of not. Um, entering those relationships, those conversations, whatever it may be, those interactions with less assumption that we are, um, that, our, that our perspectives are the same. I think that's incredibly helpful. I think just that idea of dismantling that assumption can go a long way in, for every single one of us. Sure. My next question, my next question is something you and I have, I think, talked about a lot, just personally, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but I would love to hear your perspective on the difference, as you see it, between the, the narrative or the ideology or the way the world is having this conversation versus the way Christians are having this conversation. So the world may be you know, calling for less racism or calling for more unity, but the ideology behind it or the way they're going about it might be very different than the way the church is or should be going about it. So from your perspective, what should be the difference between the way the world talks about these things and the way the church does? Sure. I think that, I mean, going back to assumptions, going back to that first impression, going back to that first interaction, the church, I, the only assumption that can be made is the assumption that we have that commonality in Christ, right? I feel like no other assumption matters 
when it comes to, especially as it relates to the church. Whereas outside the church, we don't always have that assumption that there's that commonality, right? I mean, I feel like if I meet someone on the street, you know, a cordial conversation, much of it could be spent trying to find those commonalities. Whereas I feel comfortable in the church, assuming that either, you know, we, we're all seeking Christ, we're all seeking unity, or that we, you know, or that we were there for the first time trying to figure things out, right? I mean, I feel like everyone that enters a church building is either trying to figure it out or, you know, they're, they're at another different step of their, 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 uh, their faith journey. And so knowing that we're all on that journey, regardless of what point in the journey we are in, having that assumption that we're all on it is, to me, the only relevant assumption to have. And it's an assumption you can't make when you're just out on the street, you know, talking to someone you've met for the first time. And because of the, our faith and the way that we approach our faith, we can rally around that commonality. Whereas um, the world can't really do that. They may, they may rally around certain political ideologies. They may rally around certain um, human individuals, but we can rally around that you know, gospel saving message and point back to that for every interaction that we have. And it's just not, that's so powerful when when we compare that to the world where, you know, political platforms change daily, uh, the views of individuals that we uphold change daily, um, you know, the minds of our friends and family change daily uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, those various topics. And so I love having that like solid rock that we can all kind of gather around and point back to, because for me, like, unity, racism, those types of things like those, I feel like those aren't gray areas, right? I mean, I feel like for a Christian, that should be a, a, a black and white thing like that. Scripture talks about how we should treat one another, how we should view one another, how should we interact with one another, and how God views us as his creation. Like that's a set in stone thing. We don't like if we're pointing back to that every single interaction that we have, I feel like it's pretty pretty black and white. Yeah, and that's absolutely. not something the world has. Yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely. It's so well said. So, and you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but what are some of the things that you feel like every Christian can do? You know, whether at McDermott specifically or just in general, can do to help promote unity within the congregation and within the church as a whole sure um going back to my answer to the last question i mean we need to be in the word right we need to understand how god views us as his creation all of us i think we pay lip service to the idea that we are all created created equal but i mean and it's not just race right i mean i think um you know, socioeconomic status, race, I mean, everything under the world, like, I feel like as humans, like, our, 
our natural instinct is not to unify, it's to divide, right? And, and I wanna be with this so-and-so over here because they're like me in this area or you know whatever. Um, and so step number one has to be know the word, know what the expectation of us as Christians is as far as how we're to treat others um, of all kinds of backgrounds. <clears throat> and then also just, I mean, I think get to know people who are different than you. Spend time with people who are different. Intentional time. I mean, we always talk about intentional prayer, intentional time to set aside for God. I think we need to be intentional in the time that we spend interacting with people that are different than us. And that does include race, right? I mean, I do not think that we can truly understand people of different ethnicities if we don't spend any time around them or if we don't research you know, some history or, you know, try to figure out what's going on in the lives of that community. I mean, in the same way that, you know, we can't be educated in any area unless we involve ourselves in that area. So uh, I don't know that it is positive or productive for us to spend time with people that are only like us in every way. Um, so that's, that's definitely a key area in which I think that as the church, we can promote unity is, you know, go and sit beside sister so-and-so, talk to them, ask them questions, um, invite them to lunch after church. I mean, you know, go outside your comfort zone, right? I mean, I think that it, one of the things we have to acknowledge is that, especially as it pertains to this conversation, is that there are going to be periods of discomfort, right? I mean, if I'm, if I am going outside of the group, you know, whether, you know, not necessarily just ethnic group, but the group that I usually spend a lot of my time with, I can expect that when I'm first meeting that person, talking to them and diving into their life, there may be some areas of discomfort, but especially as it pertains to this conversation. On both sides, I mean, on every side, right? That's not, I don't, I don't think the assumption should be that, you know, um, a white person would struggle asking um, a person of color questions about their life and trying to get to know them. I mean, I think that that works both ways. I think there's just going to be growing pains as we, as we grow um, in the Lord and grow um, closer to one another. Yeah. I think that's so well said, and I think you're exactly right. I think there are going to be uh, moments of uncomfortability where it's just a little bit uncomfortable because we don't know, and it goes back to what you said in the beginning about your own experiences. We don't know what we don't know. You know, we don't know what someone else as an individual right. or what somebody else, you know, because of the the group that they're in or their perspective or their background or their ethnicity or whatever the case may be you know, how their experiences or how their perspective is different than our own. And so sometimes we don't even know what questions to ask. We don't even know where to begin mm -hmm. uh, until we do, until we just sit down and, and we begin to, to talk and build a relationship with each other and ask each other about, about life. Well, and I think that that's one thing that, I mean, you, you mentioned like not knowing the questions to ask. That's another thing going back to question two is, I mean, I feel like that 
a brother and sister asking me questions about my life experience, even as it pertains to, to race, I think that we might respond differently, maybe less defensively to a brother and sister asking those questions in an attempt to get to know us better than we would, you know, this person that we just met on the street or, um, you know, a politician or any, you know, any other person outside the church. So, I mean, again, it, it all, it all comes from that. Am I coming into this interaction with the assumption that we have that commonality, commonality in Christ? Are we going into it with the assumption that the other person means well, right? And, and maybe I'll speak for myself, but if someone asks me a question that might seem insensitive, but, you know, this person is a brother and sister that's, you know, has taken the time to try to get to know me, again, not knowing the questions to ask, like, I really feel like we should give benefit of the doubt there, right, and say, this is a person that, like, Maybe they're not using all the right words. Maybe they're not using the the buzz buzzwords that um, the world tells us we need to use. But until I'm proven otherwise, let's assume that best intentions are being had here, and and enter into those conversations. And through that, I feel like you're you're going to find the unity that we're all looking for. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's what love is, isn't it? I mean, it's giving the benefit of the doubt, assume, making the best possible assumptions about where somebody's coming from and what they might mean by that. And I, I think, you know, not just racially or ethnically, but but culturally, you know, if you think about right and left, there are buzzwords and there are certain, you know, certain terminologies that might be used where somebody might assume the worst mm -hmm. possible thing about somebody. Oh, well, you're you know, this or you're that, or you're coming from this perspective or that perspective, rather than assuming this is my brother, this is my sister, and they want to get to know me better. Um, I think those are those are the right sorts of assumptions to make rather than the, the assumptions that the world tells us we ought to be making. Absolutely. Totally agree. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate your perspective so very much. And, yeah. and I, I hope that this conversation as you encourage everyone to do, I hope that it just leads to more of these kinds of conversations where people will just sit down and just say, you know, what's your perspective on these things? Uh, what what has been your experience? And just get to know each other, not just about this subject in particular, but just to get to know mm -hmm. our brothers and sisters in Christ. Absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks. I so appreciate everything that Aaron had to share with us. And these things are so important because I really do believe that we are at a moment in history, a moment in our culture where we have to continue using our metaphor. We have multiple cultural currents that are flowing in different directions right now that I feel like so many Christians are being caught up in. And I think that these cultural currents are going in two seemingly opposite directions. One cultural current seems to say, focus on our differences. Focus on our differences. It teaches us that, that people are from different backgrounds can really never understand each other because we are fundamentally different. It teaches people to define, to categorize, and to reduce each other to each other's ethnicity. 
And when we focus on our differences, obviously we will remain divided. But then there's also a cultural current that teaches us to focus on our commonalities, saying things like, well, we're all Americans or we're all human beings. But I want us to notice that the problems with this cultural current as well. And Aaron pointed out some of these things when he was speaking. Number one, we're trying to rally ourselves around superficial commonality. The world offers us no real substantial commonality. And number two, we end up normalizing ourselves, our perspective, and our experiences. We end up thinking that, well, if we're all the same, if we're all pretty much the same, then everybody should pretty much think and feel like I do. The way I think and feel is normal, so if you don't think and feel like me, you're not normal. And that way of thinking, even though it sounds very good, let's focus on what we have in common, it ends up dividing us as well. Our differences certainly can't unify us, and our, our commonalities can't even unify us. The only one who can unify us is Jesus. That's what this whole series has been about. That's what Aaron touched on, is that it's not our commonalities that unify us. It's not our differences that unify us. It's only Jesus who unifies us. So the answer isn't to focus on our differences. And the answer isn't to focus on our commonalities. The answer is to focus on Jesus. And when we have Jesus in common, then we can truly be unified. The world can say, well, we're all human, but the world can't even teach us what it means to be human. Only in Jesus do we discover what it really means to be human. The world can tell us that all of our families, all of our ethnic groups have been sinned against and have sinned against each other, but the world can offer us no healing. The world can offer us no forgiveness. In Jesus, we discover that yes, our families have hurt one another and been hurt by one another, but only in Jesus can we find healing and forgiveness. The world can tell us that human kingdoms are broken and human systems are broken, but all they can do is trade one broken system for another. It's only Jesus who can offer us a place in his heavenly kingdom. The world can talk about our differences, and they can either maximize our differences and highlight our differences, or they can dismiss our differences. But the world can't do anything to make us family. That's what Jesus can do. He can make us family in spite of our differences, not by highlighting our differences and not by dismissing our differences, but by making us family in spite of our differences. The world can tell us that people have a lot of things in common, and that's true. People do have a lot of things in common, but most of those commonalities can't really unify us. In Jesus, he gives us that which can truly unify us. He gives us something substantial. Rather, he gives us someone substantial to unify us, and that is his spirit. That's what this series has been all about that no matter which cultural current, whether the current is flowing to the right or the current is flowing to the left, the cultural currents, the ideologies of human beings cannot heal us, cannot propel us forward, cannot unify us. It is only in Jesus that we can find true healing from the past, true purpose in the present, 
and a true, brighter future. It's only in Jesus that we can be unified by his spirit. So I want to look at one last passage with you. It's Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. And as with many of Paul's letters, he's talking about unity in the church in spite of ethnic differences, specifically in his case, Jews and Gentiles. And he says in chapter 2 and verse 11, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, I want us to understand that regardless regardless of your ethnicity, unless you are ethnically Jewish, probably most of us are ethnically Gentiles. And so this is us. This is all of us. Regardless of how light or how dark your skin color is, this is all of us. All of us were part of the ethnic groups who were cut off from God, strangers to God, alienated from God, alienated from the promises that God made to Israel. And we were all, all fighting one another, enslaving one another, hurting one another, and rebelling against God. All of us were. That is who humanity was. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility." The cross reconciles us to God. It kills the hostility between God and people. But the cross is also intended to reconcile people to people. That's Paul's entire point here, is that the Jews are still Jews. The circumcised are still circumcised, and the Gentiles are still Gentiles. They're still uncircumcised. These two ethnic groups continue to be what they always were, but now they are no longer hostile towards one another. Now they have been reconciled and we are those nations and God is bringing us together, killing the hostility, not only between us and God, but between us and one another. Just as forgiveness is extended to us, forgiveness must also be extended from us. Just as God has shown mercy to us, we are supposed to show mercy toward one another. Thereby, God is bringing together all the nations and tribes and languages of the world into the body of Jesus. And verse 17 says, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. The Jews were those who were near and the Gentiles were those who were far off. And that's all of us regardless of your background, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of where you come from, regardless of any other factor, all of us were far away from God. But through the cross, he's reconciled us to himself and reconciled us to one another. That's why this conversation about race and ethnicity and unity and division and 
bringing people together is what the gospel is all about. It's not just about where you spend eternity. That's an important question. But the gospel isn't just about where you spend eternity. It's about how you spend your life and the people with whom you spend your life. And the people with whom we're to spend our life are the people that God is bringing together into his body. Verse 18, for though, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are not united because we're all human beings. We're not even all united. We're especially not all united because we're all Americans. That's not where we find our unity. We are all united because we share one spirit, because the spirit of God dwells in us collectively. You know that this is one of my soapboxes that I like to talk about a lot, is that we tend to think about the Holy Spirit dwelling in us personally. And I do think the spirit dwells in us personally, but he doesn't just dwell in us individually. He dwells in us collectively. And that's why regardless of ethnicity, regardless of differences, regardless of different backgrounds and perspectives and experiences, we are united because one spirit, God's one spirit dwells in all of his people collectively. We are part of God's family. That's That's the basis on which we find healing. That's the basis on which we find hope. That's the basis on which we find unity. That must be the message that we proclaim and the message we live out. Verse 20, he says that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He says that each and every one of us, from different backgrounds and different perspectives, different ethnicities, different groups, circumcised and uncircumcised Jews and Gentiles, from different languages, All of your differences are very real, and and it makes unity challenging, but the Spirit makes unity possible. And that's a truth that we have to recognize, that our differences sometimes makes unity challenging. But what we have in common is the Spirit of God who dwells in us collectively because of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do in us and with us and for us, the Spirit of God, like in the temple. He says, each and every one of you are like stones and you're being brought together and built into the temple and the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. You are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so we have to walk by the Spirit. And what does it look like when we walk by the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. We love one another, and we bear with one another, and we seek to understand each other, and help one another, and bless one another. Why? Because we share the Spirit. This is what I have seen 
and continue to see here at McDermott Road. But I hope it's something that we will continue to talk about and think about because there will always be cultural currents seeking to divide us while the Spirit of Christ is seeking to unify us. And that's how we find healing. That's how we find hope. That's how we find unity, is by walking according to the Spirit. That's how we swim against the currents of this world, is by walking with the Spirit.